This is the Holland Assets Podcast, where we show you how to start and run your own trucking company. Ever wanted to go out on your own? Follow Chris as he goes through the highs and lows of running on his own authority. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Holland Assets Podcast. I am Craig. Over there, he is... Chris. Chris, welcome back. I'm back. This is not get rid of me. Well, I keep trying, but... Uh, this is episode number I have no idea because we don't know when this is going to air exactly, uh, but we are going to continue on with some listener questions. Uh, we solicited these for our 100th episode. You guys really came through, so thank you so much for submitting your questions. We really appreciate it. Uh, we got so many that we had to split it in, into two episodes, so that's what we're doing today. Uh, the first one, if you missed it, was episode 104, so go check that out. Chris answered uh, some some really good questions listener questions in that one uh very very good solid advice practical advice uh and i was there too so today we're gonna take on a few more and chris i say we should probably just dive right in right after i tell people to go to hollandassetsllc.com buy a shirt find us on facebook all the stuff right ask questions ask questions Yeah. yeah absolutely we love answering questions so with that being said chris how about we hear from barry Let's listen to Barry. Ready? Here we go. Okay, so this is Barry, and my question is, uh, are there avenues to produce the same amount of income in a local delivery situation as opposed to the the over-the-road? And if so, what avenues are those, and what is the earning potential? Well, there you go, Chris. There's Barry's question. I think it's a pretty good one to start off on. That's a really good question. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And And I would say, the first thing I would say is that typically if all things considered are equal and which is always true which is always true <laughs> you know for example um you're going direct to shipper whether it's local or over the road or you are using a broker local or over the road if those things are the same you're probably always going to make a little bit more money over the road than you will local but but if you let's say for example let's flip that a little bit and say that you are working direct with shipper local and you're working broker over the road there's a really good chance you're probably making more money on a local route and so i would say to to kind of answer his question Barry's question in another way is you can make a really good li- living hauling mostly local um it's going to be a little harder and and it is probably more reliant on you being able to have direct relationships with shippers and you've got something regularly and consistent set up probably with one, maybe two shippers. It reminds me of uh, when we talked to Bubba Blackwell uh, and did an episode with him and he talked about finding a route. I think it was a flatbed route, if I recall correctly. Yeah. And it was uh, pretty consistent. Holland for new core steel. And it's, right. yeah, oh, it's that, the same thing. It's like really consistent. That's yeah. exact. That's a perfect example of that's how you can make money. And that wasn't local. local per se. I think he was crossing a couple states, but it was the same One night route. at a time. It wasn't, yeah, yeah, he wasn't staying out for 10 days at a time like right. a lot of our drivers are. Okay. All right. Um, cool. So yeah, what else do you want to say about this one? So the other thing that I would say is um, one of the reasons that oftentimes local doesn't work super well if you're going with brokers is because if you're using a broker, a broker is always going to try to find the cheapest possible carrier to haul that that load for them. And a lot of the times, you know, when you're doing local stuff, short runs, those are the kind of loads that a trucking company is looking for to get, you know, say their driver ended up in 
point A and they want to be home at point B, but it's only, you know, 500 miles away, they'll take a load like that at a discounted rate to get their driver to where they need their driver to be. Or if they've got a, you know, a good paying load and point B and they just need to get the guy to point B to get the good paying load, they'll take the cheaper ones. And so you're competing with guys like that and it gets really hard to compete and make good money locally when you're competing when you're getting you're undercut by your under guy yep you're undercut by somebody that just is trying to pay for the fuel essentially right okay yeah that makes a lot of sense all right so should we move on do you feel satisfied with that one i think that's a good one okay we're moving on to eldwin who had a question on uh buying someone else's authority i thought this was fascinating what a good question all right let's hear from eldwin okay in episode number nine insurance you guys discuss how expensive insurance was for new authority. So my question is, is it possible to buy or to transfer someone's authority if they're retiring, if they're getting out of the business? My thinking is, if they've been around five, six years and have a clean record, can you buy that authority uh, and run with it? And would it allow you to have, quote unquote, cheaper insurance rates? Well, Chris, what say you? Yes. Really? It is. It is possible. There's a lot that goes into that. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the short answer is yes, but it's way more complicated, way more complicated than you would think. Um, it, it is possible to do. And there's a couple of different ways that you can go about doing it. And and the term transferring authorities oftentimes used synonymously, but it can mean a couple different things. So let's talk about what I think is typically the cleanest way to do it is you're not just transferring authority. You're buying the company. Like if you've got somebody that's, that's want to, wanting to retire, um, maybe they've sold off all their trucks and all they really have is the company itself. And and you can buy that and you can probably buy it relatively inexpensively. And yes, you probably can save an insurance um, that, with some caveats there. Um, oftentimes the insurance company, if they can see there's been a transfer of ownership, they may or may not give you a break on that. Um, so it, it doesn't always work out that way. But there's other benefits to it too. Like we were talking in the first episode where we we're answering um, listener questions um it, it you you step into an aged authority and so you're probably going to have an easier time getting loads um you know brokers are less likely to care that you just changed ownerships they just look at the mc number see its age see it's been around for a while and you're you're good to go so buying the company that authority so you're you're keeping the same name you're essentially keeping a lot of the same stuff with the company. You're just you're just buying out the other person. Everything kind of transfers to a new owner. Right. So that's the simplest, it, maybe not easy, but simplest it's way the, to do it. It's the simplest way to do it. It doesn't, you know, you, there's there's sometimes reasons that that won't work for people, right. but that's that's one way to do it where the actual transfer authority is kind of the cleanest. But what is so? What are some more complicated, uh, difficult ways to do it? So so the other way to do it is you can technically transfer an authority. So you you've got an MC number that's with trucking company A, and you want to transfer that MC number to trucking company B. The, 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 you can transfer MC numbers, which is typically what brokers and shippers look at. You cannot transfer DOT numbers. So even if you transfer the MC number, you have to keep the same DOT number. And that gets solved if you bought the company outright in that first solution in, you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, in the about? first solution, you can typically, you'll, you'll get the DOT number, you'll get the MC okay. number, you get everything. Um, but if, if you're transferring authority from one trucking company to another, you're going to have to get a new you know, either have a DOT set up just for that new, that, that company, or it's already had one, you're transferring the authority. 
um, that gets more complicated. There's, there's a lot more that kind of goes into it. It's not a super simple process. This is where you need to get somebody like Motor Carrier HQ, um, one of my other companies that does this kind of thing for people all the time. You, even if you don't use Motor Carrier HQ, use somebody. Don't try to do navigate that process on your own. It's it's more complicated than you would think, and you want to make sure you do it right, and um, it doesn't cause you worse problems later on down the road. Right now, I imagine that that it's not always the best idea to do this. Right, I, I'm picturing a situation where you buy somebody's authority and it turns out that uh, well they've got something of a tarnished record or something look right you got to do your due diligence before you go out and just say hey this will make my life easier it might not yeah there's actually a couple things you've seen this happen um, a lot of times that you need to kind of be careful of one is um, that safety score whatever the safety score the company had before that gets transferred with it and so if they had a, a, a conditional safety rating or if they had other kind of safety issues, you're inheriting all that. And, and that may be a bad thing and maybe a reason where it's just better to start over. Um, you know, when I say start over, it's better to just start with your own clean slate. Right. Um, and not, uh, not transferring the authority. The other thing that you kind of need to keep track of, and this is a little bit harder to figure out is reputational um, risk. Like if they, you know, if they were just a bad company to work for, brokers didn't like them, you know, they'll get blacklisted by lots of brokers. And so you may find out as you're, you know, getting into this, that you're, you go and try and haul a load for, you know, big brokerage out there, say maybe Landstar or something. And, and Landstar has blacklisted that MC number and they're never going to let that MC number haul another load for them. Mm. And that can cause, you know, obviously great big nightmares. And so that's <laughs> say. another thing you kind of want to keep in mind when you, you're considering transferring an authority from somebody else. Right. Now, Chris, I see you've got like a checklist here. Do you want to go through this checklist or uh, should we put this in the show notes? What do you want to um, do with it? I'll, I'll probably put them in the show notes. It, it's, you know, it, it's basically... There's things, these are the steps that we take at Motor Carriage Q every time we go through this. You have to, um, you have to set up an LLC or you, sometimes you have to change the name. You have to change EINs. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of things mm. that you may or may not have to do. They don't always apply. That's kind of why I don't really want to go into them is because they're different for every situation. And this and is why you're saying let the professionals, let the take professionals care of, handle it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, it makes sense. There, there's a lot that goes into it and, and it, every situation is different. And so um, there's there's a lot of variables and it's just not, uh, it's not clean. Right, right. Well, in, anyway, it was a great question. So thank you, Eldwin, for the question. Uh, Chris, let's move on to Darren. All right, let's see what Darren has to say. So my question was just about the market in general and mainly truck prices because truck prices have gone up so much because of the supply shortage. So I was just wondering how the timing of buying your first truck would affect your success in starting your own company. Is the timing very important buying your first truck or should you just go for it? You think? Okay. Awesome question from Darren uh, in part, because I think this touches on something that you talked about a lot uh, at the beginning of this show. So if people listen to the first 20 episodes or so, uh, they'll hear you talking about this uh, in some depth. But as I recall, Chris, you beat the drum a lot of, look, if you are psychologically and uh, and monetarily ready to do it, do it. Jump in. There's never, 
there's never a perfect time. But is there are there any caveats to that? Uh, how do you want to how do you want to take this question on? That's a good. It's such a good question um, because it, it's something that's on a lot of people's minds, and it's something that you hear across lots of different industries, not just in the trucking industry. You know, whether you're talking about real estate or you're talking about the stock market or or trucking, um, trying to time the market typically is a fool's errand. It is a fool's errand. Like because right now, I mean, everything looks like we not everything. There's more concern that we're heading into a recession than there has been in the last, we'll just say year and a half. Right. Um, but we don't know that that's going to happen and it very well may not. And so if we say, no, I'm not going to buy a truck now because who knows what's going to be like in six months, I'm going to wait six months. And in six months, the things turned around and just kept going up. You've missed an opportunity. And then you're going to be asking yourself the same question six months from now. And you're going to be like, uh, things are just going up. I'm not going to do it. And you're just going to continually kick that can down the road. Um, so when it comes to investing and, and when you're starting a trucking company, you're investing. It's typically not a good idea to try to time the market because it's just going to make it so you kick the can down the road. I can't tell you how many people in not just trucking, but in lots of other businesses, when, when people know that you're an entrepreneur, they always talk about starting businesses. And I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with people where they've just, I'm waiting for the right time. I'm waiting for the right conditions. I'm waiting for this. I'm waiting for that. Well, if, if you're doing that now, you're probably always going to be waiting. Right. <laughs> Narrator, eight years later, <laughs> he finally bought his truck. <laughs> yeah. So, so that, that, that's my first kind of um, answer to that question. Uh, how, what I would say that, that you do is you, like you were talking about what we've talked about throughout this podcast, especially early on is just getting the fundamentals, right? If, if you've got the fundamentals, right. So you, you're mentally ready to do it. You've done a lot of the other steps that we talk about in startup and you're financially ready to do it. Don't worry about the timing of it. If you over pay for a truck today, and you've got the good foundation, you've got the good fundamentals in place, you're going to be able to weather that storm and you're going to be okay. Um, so I, I would say don't try to time it. Make sure your fundamentals are good. Right. And yeah, I mean, like you said, it's this is a risk. You're investing in yourself. You're investing in your future. All investments have risk, uh, but you can mitigate those risks. And I would say uh, this is something I was actually really pleased to hear this as I chatted just a little bit with the people who were submitting these questions. Uh, they would say, hey, uh, uh, you know, when is this going to air? I'm almost caught up. I'm on episode 80 something <laughs> or 90 something. I'm almost caught up. Uh, and I was really pleased to hear that it seems like most people are actually starting from the beginning and listening through the whole journey. So I hope most yeah. people listening to this have already kind of gotten those lessons. If you haven't, if you started this podcast recently and you you know came in on some recent episodes, I would strongly encourage you to go back to those first you know twenty episodes. Hey, start at episode one, whatever. Uh, but go to those early episodes if you're thinking about starting out. Because you and I, Chris, for the last 20, 30, 40 episodes, we've been talking about, okay, how many trucks are you adding this month, you know, or yeah. adding this year? It's a different kind of mindset than that first year that you were out on the road. So a lot, a lot of good tips in there uh, around questions just like this one. For sure. And, and the, this podcast itself is really intended to be listened to from episode one on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So anything else on this one that we want to go through? Uh, yeah, there's a, just a couple more things or one more main point that I want to make with this is um, 
could there be a crash coming up? Yes. Um, but you never know there, that, there may be, there may true. not be. It's all, it, it's always the case. There's always that looming out. The market always goes up. It always comes down. That kind of thing's always happening. Um, one of the things about a, a, a bad market is a lot of the times the best opportunities happen when the market's, um, down. And so if you're not in the game at that time, then you're not going to be able to take advantage of those conditions. And, and really that's when people oftentimes make the the best money. And then you probably won't be around in the game when things do turn around and, and just about everybody makes money. And so right. don't, don't try to time it. But what I'm hearing in, in this question from Darren is, you know, you're nervous. Um, you, you, you don't, know if it's time to take that step you want to feel safe you want to feel protected and and that's totally understandable and um you're trying to protect yourself and and what i would say is don't protect yourself by waiting for the perfect conditions protect yourself by building a company that can withstand the storm and and so that you are around to take advantage when the good opportunities happen so just focus on those fundamentals make sure you're mentally ready you're financially ready and and chances are if, if those good strong fundamentals are there you're going to be successful no matter the conditions it's remarkable to me chris how similar that advice sounds to the advice that you have been giving as the company has grown you're like, hey you want to build a fleet here's what you need to, it's the same thing it get is, your fundamentals yeah understand your business, all that stuff. Yep. Weather the storm. All right. Well, thank you, Darren, for that one. Uh, we're going to move on to Kevin. Kevin had a question about hiring that was a pretty good one. So let's bring up Kevin here. Uh, the hiring market is extremely tight. What we're most of us out here are struggling with is hiring drivers. Uh, what other tips do you have for uh, hiring drivers? For example, getting people to respond, actually follow through with um, interviews and phone interviews and such. It's a, it's a strange market out there. So Chris, it's an employee's market, not an employer's oh, market boy. right now. Kevin, <laughs> you know? brother, I feel your pain. <laughs> I'm, I'm going through the same thing. It is, it is tough. It is, it is not easy. And um, the people that can kind of figure out the hiring recruiting piece are the ones that are going to be the most successful. And in my opinion, as tough as fuel is right now, the hiring piece is probably even tougher and more impactful on your business than just the fuel pieces. All right. So what, uh, what specific advice would you give to somebody like Kevin who so wants I, to grow that fleet? I, I, I want to tell you right now, I'm, I'm not going to be able to answer that question adequately in the time that we've got in this episode. This is going to be another episode that we revisit here in the next little while and try to go into a little bit, um, more detail. There's a few things that we're kind of experimenting with right now that we're trying trying out that if we find that they're they're successful, it's something that we will absolutely share on the podcast. So let me tell you a, a little bit where kind of our biggest resources have been for hiring drivers. Um, the first one is referrals. Uh, probably half of our drivers that we've got right now have come from a referral from another driver. And do you know why that works or how that works? Uh, you enlighten me. I don't know. Well, there's a couple things. One, we we pay our drivers for somebody that we that that uh, that, comes they, that comes on that comes on. 
Um, I, and I can't remember exactly how the breakout goes, but we pay him a little bit within the first like month. And then we pay him a little bit more uh, at the six month mark if the driver's still around. Um, well, I, I would say not a little bit more. It's, it's actually a pretty good chunk if they're around for six months. And so you're so, incentivizing your own employees to help grow the company. To help grow the company. And, and on top of that, but the only, the, the way that it really works is your drivers have to enjoy driving for you. Mm. You have to be a good company to work for, or they're not going to refer people to you. And so that's the, that's, I, I think one of our biggest recruiting tools is the culture that we've got and how we really try to put the drivers, um, make them a priority. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So, uh, outside of that, I mean, if you're trying to hire your first driver, that's not going to be much of a, a tool for you. Right. Not, so, yeah. so what other tools do you have in your, in your belt? So our first driver got hired through a local job board essentially. And that's, um, that, that's where one place I would definitely start. So local job board, or then just even other job boards like um, Indeed, ZipRecruiter, even LinkedIn, um, they've got some ways that you can post. They're not super cheap, but neither's having a truck sitting. And so <laughs> oftentimes just you, you need to pay the money to recruit. You've got to put money behind recruiting. It's not something that's just going to happen. Right. Right. Takes money to make money, Chris. This is All one right. area where it absolutely does. <laughs> That's yep. I'm the cliche machine today. You right. are. Yeah, it's uh, it's okay. very uh, impressive how, how good you are with the cliches today. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> so, what, okay. So those are online resources. Any offline resources that you can use? Um, let, let me talk about a, a couple. Um, one of them that we've had a little bit of success with is talking to drivers when we're out on the road. Like if Nate and I go deliver a load and there's drivers sitting around, we'll shoot up a conversation with them, you know, and pretty quick you can find out if they, you know, a little bit about them, mm. if they like where they're working for. And then, you know, if, if they meet fit into your model of what you do. And, and so, you know, whether you're at truck stops or you're at shippers receivers or just anywhere you can possibly interact or you just see a driver park around waiting, you know, go talk to them. Right. You never know what door is going to open yep. if you just have a conversation. We, we've with hired a couple drivers that way. Yeah. Nice. Yep. And it, let me ask you this. Did, were those drivers the ones that you talked to or it, has it ever happened where, Hey, you talked to somebody at this receiver uh, and then they told a buddy and that buddy is the one that you hired. It's kind of that network. We've right? had, we've had both happen. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Yeah. So I, I think it's a good way to go. Cool. Um, a couple of, let me talk about a, a couple of things that we're experimenting with. And, and the, these are the things, you know, if they work out decently well, we'll, uh, talk a little bit more about them on the podcast but one is we've started putting signs in our trucks some of our drivers um when they're taking a 34-hour reset or they're taking a vacation or something their trucks get parked on roads that have traffic on them mm. and so we've started putting signs in in the windows of the trucks drivers wanted with a phone number to call um, and we've actually had, a, I know we just barely started doing that a few days ago. We've already had a, at least one phone call from it. Nice. Um, and, and then the second thing that we're starting to do is, is Facebook. We're starting to do some Facebook ads and, uh, that's another option. And, and that's, that's one that I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that it will work well. I've talked to other trucking companies that use it and has, have found some success that way. And so as time goes on, if we can get it to work, we'll, we'll talk in way more depth about that yeah. in the podcast. Okay, sounds good. Well, Chris, I think we have one more question to get to. We've got Tony. Are you ready for Tony? Let's go. Let's go to Tony. All right, let's go to Tony. This is Tony. 
And my question is, um, I've had my class ACDL since 1992, and I have a family of four, and I wanted to um, try to find another way to feed them. So I wanted to buy a, a rig, but the rigs are really expensive nowadays. And I want to know what kind of advice can you give me to um, get off into uh, doing my own trucking business? All right. So pretty similar, actually, to what we got from, was it Darren, who was mm -hmm. asking about the truck prices and whatnot? So Tony's saying he's had his Class A since 92. Uh, he's been working construction, he was telling me, uh, but he's looking for a different way to, to feed his family, family of four. So how, it, but with truck prices being what they are, it's tough to start. What advice do you have for Tony? So the first thing that I would say is don't look so much at the truck price. Um, it, it is, it is important. It is something you need to consider, but if freight rates are such that you can make money, even with a high truck price, there's, there's no reason to be afraid of a high truck price. Um, and I would say you look at over the last 18 months, truck prices have been really high, but freight rates have been really high and you've been able to make good money even with higher truck prices. So it, it's made sense to jump in and do it. And so this now the the rebuttal to that of course would be that rates aren't always going to be that high but my truck payment will yes. if i buy it now right it, it will but truck payments really they don't make up a huge portion of your um your overall expenses. expenses if you think about it you know how we've been talking a little bit in the last couple months we've been talking about percentage of expense to revenue i wish i knew off the top of my head what the percentage of expense was for our um, trucks and trailers, but it's, n it's nowhere near the 25% that, um, roughly 25% that drivers are mm -hmm. roughly 25% that, that fuel is it, it's nowhere near there. So the, the cost of the price is, is in a truck is not typically going to be what breaks the bank on whether your company is successful or not. Um, again, this is going to go back to my same answer. The other one is just make sure your fundamentals are good. And if your fundamentals are good, um, even even if you overpay a little bit for a truck, it's not gonna it's not gonna cause you to go out of business. Right on. All right, Chris, that was five questions, nine total. So again, go listen to episode one hundred and four if you missed it, and we answered a bunch. Oh, okay, I'm being pretty generous with the we here, but we answered a few others in episode one hundred and four as well. Thanks to everybody for sending in questions. Chris, do you have any parting thoughts uh, before we wrap up this episode? Just want to tell everybody thanks, you know, for being listeners, for keeping the podcast going. And, it, you know, it's this is kind of part of our, you know, three-year anniversary celebration. And, and it's pretty cool to see, you know, so many people that enjoy the podcast and like it and get benefit out of it. it uh, we, we appreciate it. Yeah. No, I, I would say when you're at that receiver and you're bored and you're striking up that conversation, maybe slip hauling assets in there somewhere. Let them know. There's yeah, a, a good podcast out there, especially if somebody mentions, hey, I want to, I'm thinking about, thinking about taking the plunge. Well, I hope that uh, we can help with that. So, Chris, I will see you in a couple weeks, and I hope you have a good one. You too. We'll see you then.